Hey there, Leia is all up in the dream catcher that Moon City Child gave us. Stop, Leia. She loves it. Oh my gosh. I'm surprised that she's not screaming with excitement. She's usually so vocal. She's purring quite loudly because she's very happy. Kitty ASMR coming to you from Two Girls, One Ghost (laughs) featuring Leia. It's great. This is Two Girls, One Ghost. Oh yeah. Hi. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hey. And I'm Sabrina. And I, I've said this, I don't know if I said this on the podcast before. Did I, did I talk about parcel tongue? Yes. Okay. Never mind. I can't remember <laughs> anything in my life. I don't remember anything either. Cause it's like, did we, did I tell it to you in private? Did I tell it to you on the podcast? Did I tell someone else that I was going to tell you? Like, I know. I never know. What is it? Oh my gosh. I fell. I fell what? for the first time, like ever in my life. I know I'm not a faller. I have such a low center of gravity and I'm like the sturdiest person in the world. And I never fall. Like I will – my feet – I trip constantly all day long. It's co- like cobblestone everything, brick everything in Boston. But as soon as I start – like my, only my foot will move, but the rest of my body will stay completely the same. So usually right. I brag about how I don't fall. Okay. But I fell last night and it's so embarrassing. What I happened? I have a cut on my foot, a cut on my forearm from where I caught myself and then – one of my other foot is like non-functioning because I think I bruised it. Well, what but happened? I ordered a burger from Boston <laughs> Burger Company. There's always delivered. food involved. Yeah. And it w- I ordered the Mac Attack, which has <laughs> mac and cheese on it. Oh. So I'm so excited. And instead of just walking up to my apartment, I decided to run up the stairs with my burger to be able to eat it faster. And I just <laughs> ate shit falling. I fell up the stairs. Oh, my gosh. But I'm, like, cut up. I'm injured. Was it worth it? Absolutely. I'd do it a thousand times more. As long as your burger was safe, that's what matters. Yeah, it was. Oh, my gosh. What am I even talking about? My mom has a ghost story. (laughs) What do you mean? So she called me yesterday, same time as my – right before my burger debacle. (laughs) And you know how we were um, talking about how when I was home for Memorial Day weekend that, like, a few days before my dad – his cell phone had been moved into the center of the room and then my mom had a nail thrown at her in the garage. Yes. So mm-hmm. she had bought this like sage cedar white copal sort of thing and she was going to go around and do the sage around her house. But then she was thinking about it and she was like, you know, nothing really bad has happened. And I was like, well, there was a screw thrown at you. And she was like, <laughs> yeah, but – or a nail. And she was like, yeah, but it's metal and spirits can manipulate metal more. So maybe it was just like an attention thing and less of like an injury harm thing. Mm. So she decided that she was going to live peacefully with the spirit without doing anything. Your mom is too nice. I know. She was like, I don't want to hurt its feelings. <laughs> so, <laughs> so she hasn't done anything. And she was like, usually, like, nothing happens when I'm just home alone. It's always like when, like, in the past, it was like when something happened when my dad was home and then I was home and something happened. So she's like, maybe it just likes being alone with me. So, right. but then she was home alone on Saturday and she was getting ready because she was having, like, dinner with some friends. Some people were coming over to her house. So she was prepping everything and she was listening to our podcast <laughs> and she was listening to the haunted nun episode and she was listening to the one where the nun gets possessed i think it was your story mm-hmm. and right as you were talking about the possession my mom gets a huge cold breeze just like thrown at her oh like a huge she was like it was like a cold wind tunnel just like whew, all over her and she was like huh like your dad 
must be home. Maybe he opened the garage or window or a mm. door or something. So she goes to investigate, but nope, she was home alone and everything was all locked up. Everything was closed. Ah. Air conditioning wasn't on. No explanation for a big breeze coming through her. So then she just said, Scary. she out loud was like, please don't scare me. You're welcome to stay here so long as you are nice and you do not scare me. <laughs> there but, you go. Intentions. Speak them yeah. out loud. Yeah. So she called me oh. on Saturday all excited. She wasn't even scared. She was like, wow, we have a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> well, that one doesn't seem as scary as the one. The nail. Where a screw was being thrown at her. Nail, whatever yeah. was being thrown at her. Like at least that one, it could be our ghost from our podcast just being like, maybe you skip over this one. Yeah. This one seems scary for you, Deb. Yeah. 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 So it's confirmation wow. that there's definitely some activity in my house and it's it's not like just seeing something out of the corner of your eye or anything. Like there's some – it's been taking action. Wow. I'm yep. hoping that – well, because we're recording this early, I'm hoping that when I go to my dad's wedding in Croatia that I get some good ghost stories. God, I hope so. Your dad is one of the most haunted people I think I've ever heard of. I know. Well, because his fiance keeps – the few times I've talked with her, she's always like, your dad – talks in a different language while he sleeps and it's like <laughs> is it position is it a past life like what is it the way that all came through my microphone current or through my headphone oh, it's was creepy? terrifying it's probably the sound that my dad makes while he's talking in a different language oh my god what if your dad is actually just a martian he's I mean, maybe. speaking from his home planet no, he's definitely cuz we talked about his past life regression stuff yeah. that he did he's definitely got um He's got some dark demons. Oh, my God. How crazy. I wonder if they've ever – She, you should tell her to record next time he's speaking. Oh. Just record a little voice thing so that he can hear it back and maybe we can hear it. Oh, that's a good idea. Although, is that passing around the possession? Oh, scary. Yeah. Just an idea. <laughs> yeah. That's like a little like kind of treading on the uh, paranormal activity waters that I'm a little nervous about. It's kind of like, and I know you still haven't read the book, <laughs> Many Lives, Many Masters. <laughs> I've never heard of that before. What is it? Sabrina! <laughs> hmm, I'm kidding. I'm just going to buy it for you and send it to your house so that you actually read it. I have it. You do? Yes, I have it. I just haven't read it. It's so short. It's like 90 pages. I have no time to read books right now. Okay, fine. Maybe I'll get it on Audible and listen to it. Yeah. Then. My way to work. That's the other thing. I've been able to listen to a lot more podcasts again, which I'm excited about and catch up with everything. Oh, yeah. I've not found any new ones, but I'm like going back on all of the ones that because I feel like we were so busy for a long time. And I have just like been stacking up all of these podcasts that I listen to usually regularly, mm -hmm. but haven't for a while. Now it's you been can. nice. Back to the podcast world. Um, I also... So just because I work in this industry, it's technically called work when I'm watching things. I just started Chernobyl. Have you seen it yet? Chernobyl? Chernobyl. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> no, but I told you like two episodes ago that it was on my list. Oh, it's so good. And my mom was in Europe when it happened. So she's like, her and I keep talking about it and calling each other to talk about it. I just really love Riverdale. So as soon as my... I've mm. been catching up on Riverdale because as soon as my brain shuts off at like 9.30 p.m. and I can't possibly do anything else, I'll watch like half of a Riverdale episode. I love Riverdale. 
It's great. I just finished the most recent season. Another one that you can watch kind of without having too much to think about is Sex Education on Netflix. Uh, that's on my list. I added it to my list. It's really fun. It's British, right? Yeah, it kind of – did you ever – Excuse me. Leia, yeah. we're recording. Did you see her spider monkey up that, though? Yeah, she literally climbed the wall like she was Ugh. taken over by Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Um, no, I hope not. Lay, you're fine. Um, I don't like how she's crouching. She looks like she's about to leap off and attack you. <laughs> no, I think it's a really skinny little platform, So she and she's a little chunky, so she can't fit on it all the way. Oh. <laughs> what was I saying, though? Sex education? You said, have you ever seen, and I think- Oh, Skins. Oh, no. That British show? That's another one that people have told me to watch. I don't know where to watch it. I watched it when I was in high school, and I loved it. And it kind of has that vibe to it, but a little less dark. But it's all these teenagers who are, you know, having sex issues and trying to explore their own bodies and figure out who they are and what they like. And and I, re- it's really good. Okay. I'll add that to the list. I have so many things on the list and so little time. I just want to like quit the world for like two months and just binge watch and listen to and read everything. It would be nice. That if would be I great. Had, that, that was the one thing that I was so jealous of. When Twilight came out, I was so jealous of the fact that they didn't have to sleep because I was like, they can stay up and read all day. They can do so That's much. True. They can have so many hobbies. And they didn't have to eat. Well, I want to eat. No, but I know, but like that frees up so much time. Like you don't have to sit around and That's cook true. and go to the grocery shopping. And they don't have shopping. to maybe be as concerned about weight loss like we do. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up Twilight because that's perfect for our episode today. We're transitioning right now. Here's our seamless transition into a topic, which is vampires. 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 I'm to suck your blood. I'm here to suck your blood. <laughs> I feel like vampires have such like a sexy like people like them there's like an erotic eroticism well because it's all the women just like fawning after them and then all the women are like ah, screaming but also kind of like are you gonna kiss me but bite me just sink your teeth into me but there are female vampires too guys they're real yeah, buffy oh wait she's the vampire she slays player. them <laughs> yeah <Never mind. laughs> oh my gosh what was that? vampire diaries i was so oh, I into love vampire, diaries vampire diaries in college yes that love triangle. So if that's hot. A love triangle I would be willing to be a part of. Me too. Put me in there. Put oh, me in, yeah. coach. Yeah, tap me in. Well, <laughs> it'll be like a relay race. We can mm. do it together. And there was um True Blood also. Mm-hmm. They had the I can't remember the names, but they're oh my gosh, the blonde one. <sighs> oh, vampires so are just hot. shirtless and like sexy I and I guess we all want to date vampires. <laughs> That's what society has done to us. Remember the movie My Mom Has a Date with a Vampire? Yes. Do you remember The Little Vampire? Yes. Oh, I loved The Little Vampire. Best movie. It was kind of scary, though. It was a little scary. But he was also – I had such a crush on him as, like, a fellow (laughs) nine-year-old. I was like, that is the person for me. I need to date The Little Vampire. (laughs) I don't know when my first crush was. I, I don't know. Was I nine? nine was your first crush my first crush when was i was three years old and i had a crush on like a 17 year old boy named duncan in my hometown i don't like i can't remember this guy used to chase me all the time and my mom was like he has a crush on you and i was like or he's a bully 
and I just didn't I had no crush on him. And then uh, I had a crush on an older guy. I can't say his name because I'm friends with him on Facebook and maybe he knows that this podcast exists and maybe he's listening. Oh, whatever. It's but fun. he was British. He was a British boy. I like tell people now. I'm like, oh my gosh, I totally had a crush on you when we were 12 because I think it's cute and it's fun. I haven't talked to him since I was probably nine years old. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Maybe. But then Malfoy. Malfoy was my. Oh, yes. He was good. Malfoy was my main crush. He's the one that I remember being like super in love with. Yeah. Mine was Danny Phantom. Of course. And I don't know about like real, real, real boys, real living ones in the television. (laughs) Real living boys. Oh, Shia LaBeouf and Holes. Still have a crush on him. Really? Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. Oh, I wasn't into that. <sighs> and then I had such a crush on, um, oh my gosh, what's her name? Rose something. She was in Orange is the New Black. She's playing She's ba- She's playing Batwoman in the new is show. Is she? Yeah. What's her name? I cannot remember. She was one of my more recent crushes. Ruby Rose. Oh, yes, that's it. Yeah, she's playing the new Batwoman. I have a million crushes. As you should and as everyone should. But before we were talking about crushes, we were talking about vampires. And obviously vampires in television and film and how they're portrayed in media is that they're kind of like this mysterious and sexy and like, Mm -hmm. I don't know, this like creature that just like, it kind of gives me Edward Scissorhands vibes where it's like, it's it's something that you shouldn't, you could kind of be afraid of, but there's something so attractive about wanting to like help someone and fix someone. And it's like, go to therapy for that. The dark, like the darkness, the moody guy who's also very alluring and intoxifying and taking you in. Yeah, it totally is. And you're just so intrigued and you're like, why? I know that I should run, but there's something that I feel like I I should fix. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and that's been my dating history. <laughs> just since we were talking about movies and stuff, last week Nick and I actually just watched The Lost Boys, which is – So good. Yeah, from the 80s. And it is so – well, it's a little cheesy because it's from the 80s. Oh, it's super cheesy. But I can see how – like I get it, you know? And it really is. It's young Kiefer Sutherland who is – a babe. And it's the two Corys, Cory and Cory. Mm-hmm. And then they the way that they film it where they do like the weird like the very close up eighties type of shots where it's like fading and then the guy's like licking his lips. <laughs> you know, like it's so funny. The whole thing is a metaphor for like drugs. Like don't succumb to peer pressure. Right. But also vampires. They'll suck your blood. But it's also vampires and I watched it when I was 16 and I was out in Santa Cruz with my friend Olivia visiting no way. her sister Sarah. And yeah, we watched it at Sarah's house. And then we went and like went to obviously like the Santa Cruz Pier and like saw mm-hmm. everything that was in the movie and it was so exciting. Well, that's the same pier that us is filmed on, right? Maybe. I don't know. I think it is. Anyway, but in the movie, Santa Carla is what it's called. I I loved it. It was great. I vampire movies are so much fun. Is it like the Santa Clarita diet? Is, she, is Drew Barrymore a vampire? Or does oh, she yeah. just eat people? Well, she's kind of like a zombie-ish. She's dead. Oh. Well, regardless, vampires are everywhere and they're really fun to talk about. So that's why we did the topic and Sabrina, I think you're up first. I am up first and we're going to travel to New Orleans and talk about the vampires. New Orleans. <laughs> Nola. And we're going to talk about all the vampires they have. New Orleans is known for the supernatural. It has magic, curses, voodoo, ghosts, and vampires. And 
the existence of vampires is actually so prominent in New Orleans that they have tours specifically for vampires. Amazing. Like, let's go check out the vampire locations. I would say, yes, let's go. And then I would hold your hand and we would go off hunt the tour, never to return because <laughs> we find vampire lovers. <laughs> and then become vampires ourselves. <laughs> and then we start a podcast about vampires. And then we lure people to our live shows and suck the blood. <laughs> uh, July 14th, we're going to be in New York. <laughs> so come. Come, we won't kill you. We'll let you live if you come. okay 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 so there are three well-known more well-known stories of vampires in new orleans no or why am i now i can't say it new orleans there are so many ways to say it it depends on where you're from insert how you say new orleans here (laughs) okay the first is the story of the count saint-germain the Count of Saint-Germain was an extraordinary man. He lived in New Orleans. He was a master of the violin and the piano, and he can converse in six different languages fluently. Wow. And he was very, very wealthy, but no one knew where he got his wealth or where his money came from. Or why he knew so much. Is it because he doesn't yeah. sleep and so he gets to research things all night? <laughs> it might be, Corinne. It might be. There might be some evidence, some real evidence in your theory. Proof for your theory. What am I saying? He claimed that he was the son of Francis Rakosi, who was the Prince of Transylvania, which is very fitting. Anyway, this count was fascinated by alchemy, and it was his true passion. And there was this philosopher named Voltaire who called Count Saint Germain the man who knows everything and who never dies because he was so good at alchemy. And... It seems like he really never does die because there are portraits that were made over centuries of him that kept appearing. And in each and every single one of them, he would still look 40 years old, which granted he could pay someone to paint a young portrait. Yeah, but also, did he discover Botox earlier than everyone else? (laughs) I think he discovered something way crazier because when he apparently died in 1784, but then people continued to see him and then... Decades later, in the 20th century, a new man shows up, and his name is Jacques Saint-Germain. Did he think people would forget? Well, it's de- it's a long time later. Like, it, you know, 1780s versus 20th century, it's like 200 years. I don't know. Do some research, though, before you just take the same name. But also, there's no internet. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I just assume everything is right at my fingertips. <laughs> Lucky us. So he arrives... Jacques Saint-Germain, and he looks exactly like the Count Saint-Germain. So weird. He's 40 years old, and he's also very similar to the Count. He has money, lots of wealth, and no one knows where it came from. And he's very smart and intelligent, and he decides to throw these parties and host the upper elite of New Orleans. And, you know, he, he was a great host, but he never ate. And everyone always noticed that at his dinner parties, he'd be drinking a lot of wine, but he would never eat. He just must really like his red wine. Interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting. So one night, several months after moving to New Orleans, he invites this woman to his home and they sit out on the balcony and they look out over the city and enjoy some nice romantic moments together. Mm -hmm. And Jacques gets up and goes to what seems like kiss this woman. (gasps) And he goes and he kisses her neck lightly and gently. But then all of a sudden, teeth grab into her skin (laughs) 
and she screams and she pushes him away and she yells and he goes after her and she falls off the balcony. But luckily she survived and she races to the police to report the incident and the police race over to Jock's apartment or house, whatever it is. He had vanished. He's gone. They searched his apartment and found tablecloths with large splotches of blood on them. And they searched the kitchen and found that there was zero evidence of there ever having been food stored there. What? But there were bottles and bottles and bottles of wine. And they- do you think he'd at least put out some, like, fake crackers and, like, a banana (laughs) or something? Who knows? I mean, he had dinner parties, right? So there was some food. Right? But maybe, like, no food that he ate? I don't know. So they- They notice a bottle of wine that's open, so they pour out a glass, and one of the police officers, someone wanted to drink on the job, I don't know, and he takes a sip of it and realizes, this is not wine. He spits it out. This is blood. (gasps) Where did he get all of it? Well, there are splotches of blood on tablecloths. means, like, he's killed other people. And so it's unclear whether him and the Count are the same person, but believers speculate that they are it's very interesting that there are two people with the exact same almost exact same name that look almost exactly the same way act almost exactly the same way very suspicious and no one knows where jacques went but people do report seeing a man very very similar in stature and in uh, appearance to him kind of lurking around new orleans oh my god so he's waiting until he can come back as a new man as Francis Count Saint-Germain. Well, it's not going to be any time soon because now we did this podcast so everyone's remembering. But we don't have a picture of him. I don't have a picture of him. I think they are on the internet, though. Maybe he, he's done because he has to get plastic surgery in order to come back. Yeah. But if you want to see his house and you're in New Orleans, it's at the corner of Ursuline and Royal Street. There is a story of the casket girls at Ursuline Convent. Basically, in 1726, a Jesuit missionary by the name of Ignace Nicolas de Babou, Bobou, Bobois, wrote to the Ursuline convent in Rouen, Normandy, France. And he was like, we need aid. We need help over here in New Orleans. Like, we're starting to colonize and we need people to help us with the sick and the, with, you know, just different things. Mm-hmm. The nuns at Ursuline were these pioneers of female education. They've been called the masterless mistresses, and they're just like badass women who were empowering other women throughout France. They then, 16 of them, went to New Orleans together. And even though there was a ton of pushback and challenges from the Protestants and then also the colonists in New Orleans who were like, women shouldn't have their own mind. Basically, no, like literally, I have to read this quote because it made me so mad. All women should be prohibited from learning to write and even read. This would preserve them from loose thoughts, confining them to useful tasks about the house, instilling in them respect for the first sex. <laughs> and so these ha, Ursuline nuns. Ha, ha. Right. The first right. sex, do I need to give a lesson on biology? Everyone is female until six weeks after gestation. So actually, the first sex of everyone is female, males included. Yeah. Science. Medicine. History <laughs> lessons. <laughs> Proof. Okay, so these Ursuline nuns 
are badass and they're like, none of that. So they're in New Orleans and they're like, I don't care what you say. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And they did it. They established all of these schools and they had congregations with everyone, no matter of their descent. They taught slaves. They taught young women. They kind of were this safe haven for anyone who needed to. And they would buy out all of these plantations in order to then properly treat slaves Mm -hmm. and also like give them an actual job and freedom. So they were amazing. So they come over uh, in 1727 ish, 1726 time. And during that time, the colonists founder, the founder of New Orleans, his name is Jean Baptiste Lemoine Bienville. So many names. Sorry, I'm just going to call him Jean Baptiste. He was like, there are too many men here. There are not enough women. I want to marry someone and there are not enough pickings. So I think the ratio was like five to one in terms of men to women. And so he reached out to all the bishops and mayors of the French port cities and was like, give us your women. And they agreed. And in order to do that, in order to give New Orleans women, they would empty out their jails and brothels. So they were basically sending over what Jean-Baptiste called undesirable women. He's a dick. I think that just makes a woman more interesting. Exactly. Like vampires. Yeah. So they basically were like, these women don't make good domestic partners because they have, they're like able to do stuff. Yeah. Basically they're they're like, I'm not going to do your shit. Yeah. Yeah. They challenge them. So this happens again in 1704 and then again in 1721 and the men are still displeased in New Orleans. They're like, these are not good women. So Jean Baptiste now goes to the King of France and asks for his help. And so on January 8th of 1728, just a year after the Ursuline convent was established, the King of France sent 88 women from convents and orphanages in France to New Orleans. And they arrived near Mobile Bay. Men stood on the docks waiting to see their potential future brides. And the girls disembarked the ship and onlookers couldn't help but notice how pale the young women were. It was off-putting and their skin reddened instantly under the New Orleans sun. Some even blistered. The Frenchmen waiting their arrival were taken aback by their ghastly sight. And aside from being pale, the women each carried a wooden chest, which wouldn't typically spike alarm, as women use chests to carry their clothes, linens, and also sometimes their bridal gowns in hopes for their future wedding. But there was something strange about these specific chests. Wait, sorry. Women used to buy wedding gowns before being Well, these women... These women specifically were being sent to New Orleans. Oh, oh. I was like, does that give me permission to do that? <laughs> but sure, why not? No, There are no rules, Corinne. You can do whatever you want. Yeah, my style might change. Yeah, that's true. They're expensive. Okay, so the one weird thing about these chests were that they were shaped like caskets. Weird. Why? Why did they have casket-like chests? <laughs> and people begin to whisper, are they vampires? Are there vampires? And this is the first time in New Orleans that the word vampire was taken very seriously. And these women then became known as the casket girls, la fille à la cassette. Wow. And the young women were brought to live at the Ursuline convent with the nuns until they found their husband and went to go meet married. So when they arrived at the convent, the nuns guide the women to their quarters, help them store, you know, help them find their place they're going to live. And then they're like, We'll take your chests up to the attic until you get married, and then you'll take your casket, your your chest. I said casket, but your chest to your new home. Okay. So basically, there wasn't enough important stuff in there. 
they could live without what was in there. And they all store it up in the attic. And a lot of women end up in marriages that were pretty horrible and, and, you know, they were beat by their husbands Mm -hmm. and shitty. In addition to the failing marriages that were happening, there was a drastic increase in mortality rates in New Orleans. And no one could understand why. Why were people going disappearing? Why were people ending up dead? Why, 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 why? What's new? What has changed in New Orleans to cause these deaths? The answer? These women. And so I'm due smiling to outra- so hard. Yeah. This is so entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> due to outrage and chaos and the failure of this program, the king ordered for all of the women to be returned to France. Although there's – it was kind of a little bit of – uh, controversy in terms of the things that I read. Some said they went back to France and some said they stayed in New Orleans. I don't know. Either way, the women left their chests up in the attic and the nuns were starting to get curious. What did these women keep in their chests? And so when they go up to the attic to open the chests, they open them to find that every single one of them was empty. Why did they bring empty chests? Because they put their bodies in. Were they in them? Were they vampires? Did they like to sleep in them? Or did they bring vampires over with them and release (gasps) them? Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that possibility. (laughs) And so everyone's getting paranoid, right? Like, see, that these are empty. People think that the women unleashed terrible things into the city of New Orleans, and that's why people keep dying. Vampires had infiltrated the city. I don't know why I said it like that. (laughs) That's the news report. Have you seen on SNL? It's um, and that's what's in the news. <laughs> yeah, um, love her. Anyway, so so people believe that the women themselves were vampires, but other believe that they carried vampires into the city. But regardless, there were no vampires to speak of until these women came to New Orleans. And the nuns were so superstitious after finding these chests were empty that they contacted the archdiocese who helped the nuns seal off the attic and seal the attic shutters closed. They reportedly got the Pope to bless thousands of nails, and then they nailed shut all of the shutters with those blessed nails. Whoa. Whoa. And then in 1978- Does that do anything? Apparently, I don't know, apparently, but maybe not because I'll tell you the story, which maybe says no. So in 1978, there were these two paranormal investigators who wanted to prove whether or not the vampires were real. And so they set up in front of the convent and waited through the night for paranormal activity to occur. And the next day, they were both found dead on the steps of the church right next to the convent. And their bodies were drained of 80% of their blood. Mm. And there was footage found on their camera at the scene of the abduction or murder site it seems to have nothing until about 4 a.m when the camera is just completely knocked over on the ground and there's nothing else after that like it kind of all it broke and went out so no one knows what happened between 4 a.m and 7 a.m when their bodies were found oh my god and then some believe that the doors and windows of the third floor still remain shut to contain the dark nature that remains in the caskets that the woman left behind so maybe there's still something there that we can't see The building is now called the Old Ursuline Convent Museum and is part of the New Orleans Catholic Cultural Heritage Center. And it's open for self-guided tours, but no one is ever allowed on the third floor, not even people who work there, not even people who are members of the church, not even the Pope. Why? And the last story. Why won't they let them up? Haunted. Because there are vampires they've stored up there. 
I know, but like when you I like to think to that like search and go look. I know. I like to think though that like the nuns of the convent were like, okay, the only way to appease these vampires is to give them sacrifices. And every night they'd creep up and they'd give them a sheep. I don't know. <laughs> a sheep? Like Better than a human. Jurassic Park. <laughs> anyway, okay, there's one last story I will share. And it is the story of John and Wayne Carter. So John and Wayne Carter were brothers who arrived in New Orleans just before the Great Depression. And so when the Great Depression did strike, they were trying to find jobs. They really couldn't find anything. And then they found labor jobs down by the river. It was a time where, you know, whatever you could get, you would take because you just needed money. That has nothing to do with the story. It's just who they are. (laughs) (laughs) Just set up. One day in 1932, an 11-year-old girl was reported to have escaped from the Carter brothers' apartment, and she ran to the authorities. Her wrists were cut, not enough to cause immediate death, but enough to cause her blood to drain slowly over the next several days. Oh, my God. The policemen then ran to Carter's third-story apartment and found four other people tied to chairs with their wrists slit in the same fashion, and they found multiple dead bodies. What? Yes. And some of the bodies had been there for many, many days. And some of the four people had been bleeding out for like five days. <gasps> wow. I can't even imagine how horrible it would be to be one of those people. No, it would be horrible. To experience One that. of them actually turned out to be one of the uh, – there was a man who went on to be a notorious serial killer who then would kill his victims and drink their blood. And he killed 32 people. So it would cause horrible domino effect trauma to someone else. Yeah. So the story was that the brothers had abducted these people in order to drink their blood at the end of every day when they came home from work. So the police found about 14 dead bodies and the cops waited for the brothers to return. And when they did, it took seven or eight of them to hold down the two of them. My God. And then a few years later, when the Carters were executed, their bodies were placed into a New Orleans vault in a cemetery. And there's this thing that happens in New Orleans. When family members die, they put them in the vault. But then if future family members die, they take the previous family members out, take them out of their caskets, and just put their bodies in without the box to make room for the new body. Mm -hmm. And so many years after the Carters were buried, another family member from the Carter family died. And so they went into the tomb, and they go to take John and Wayne out of the tomb. And when they opened the boxes, they were empty. (laughs) John and Wayne were gone. And to this day, there have been many sightings in the French Quarter that match the description of these two brothers almost exactly. And years later, an, ap- an owner of their apartment saw two figures that matched the descriptions outside on his balcony. And they were whispering to each other. And when this man went out to his balcony to call them out and be like, what are you doing? This is my apartment. Both of the figures jumped off the top of the third story balcony and took off running. So close to being caught. I know. And there's like this legend that according to this story, the legend goes that if a vampire drinks your blood for seven nights in a row, then and only then you will become a vampire yourself. And some of the people found in the Carter's apartment that night where they that day when the police arrived had been there for more than seven days. So are there more vampires out because of them? We don't know. We don't know, but New Orleans has a lot of vampires. Yeah. New Orleans has so many vampires. So many. And those are just like the more popular ones. I didn't even go any deeper. That's so wild to think that there are so many. I'm just most – I think honestly I'm most fascinated by the one 
about the women and the caskets. It's just such right? a mystery. Was it them? Was it did they bring someone else? I have no idea. I like to think that it was them because they were like, oh, you want to send us to go marry all these people uh-huh. who we don't want to marry? Okay. I got this. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm going to go over there and marry some asshole. It's, no problem. Yeah. I'm going to suck their blood, bitch. I don't know why I've been cursing so much this episode, but I get empowered by female vampires. Yeah. That's a good thing to yell at people if they're ever being creepy to you. Just scream, bitch, I'm going to suck your blood. <laughs> and then they might leave you alone. Or you could always give them a wet willy like you do. I texted Corinne, what, a week ago when I went to the post office and the guy who was being a total <laughs> shimmy and I was complaining to Corinne and Corinne goes, something, what'd you say? Like, I'll always give people who piss you off wet willies. <laughs> I don't remember, like but it was something like that. I was like, next so time made just a promise wet willy to him me. or I'll do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's friendship. Sick. All right. What vampire did you do? So I decided to do a little spin on this whole vampire thing. And I try- chose to do an animal that's known as a vampire beast. Ooh. This creature is bigger than a dog, but smaller than a bear. It almost looks like an emaciated hyena. Like when I look at pictures, that's what I think of. It's extremely ugly. It's patchy. It has little hair. It's got a very pronounced spine. Its skin is usually tough and scaly, and it looks Mm. a little bit like a wild dog. And this creature, this vampire beast, it preys on cattle and other farm animals, sucking the blood out of their bodies. Oh. It's been reported all over the world, but many of the sightings seem to be concentrated around Mexico and the southern states. And the name of this animal means goat sucker. And oh. if you haven't already guessed, <laughs> the name of this animal is the chupacabra. Chupacabra. Which I feel it might like be, I reference a lot. It might be very pretty to other people. Or other animals. So it might not be ugly. Let's not hurt its feelings. No, it's fine. Um, <laughs> to each their own. Exactly. But yeah, so I first learned about the Chupacabra way back when, when the Lost Tapes came out. Do you remember that show? Oh, yeah. Oh, it had all the cryptids. It was so good. They had like, they had the Chupacabra. That was season one, episode one. And then they also mm-hmm. had like other ones like pterodactyl type creatures. Oh my God, it was so good. It was such a good show. I loved it. Mm. So I mentioned the Chupacabra a lot. I think I mentioned it a few episodes ago as part of my argument for why I shouldn't live in Texas. <laughs> I was like, there Sounds are killer like bees you. and Chupacabras. <laughs> Everyone in Texas was like, no, there's not. <laughs> but anyway, I chose the Chupacabra because I think it's like so crazy and it's it's a vampire, but it's in the form of a dog and typically we hear about vampires and think of them as being humans but there's also like the vampire bats and like all this stuff which i know vampire bats don't suck your blood but i thought it was interesting to do a little spin Mm -hmm. so i'm into this biologists and wildlife officials will tell you that the chupacabra is just an urban legend but i am here to tell you that there are many many people across the globe who would argue that it is very real and it has greatly impacted their lives So back in March of 1995, this is the first ever reported attack, and this occurs in Puerto Rico. And a total of eight sheep were found dead in a field, and all of them had puncture wounds in their chest. All eight sheep were completely drained of blood. Oh, Oh my gosh. And this was strange, and it 
well, obviously it's strange, but it also fit the MO of a series of attacks that happened on the island 20 years prior in the town of Mocha. And the town had thought that there was like a satanic cult going on, killings of animals, draining them of blood. They were like, oh, there must be some like cult activity in the area. Mm -hmm. And all of the animals had the same markings on their bodies. But after a while, the townspeople started saying that it was El Vampiro de Mocha, the vampire of Mocha or Maca. God, I never know. But what they didn't know was that the vampire was not made of flesh and blood like they had so expected. It was not in human form. It was an animal, a beast. And in that same year as the 1995 killings, Madeline Tolentino spotted a weird creature on the island of Puerto Rico and she reported it. And the creature that she described was the very first eyewitness account of a chupacabra to be recorded. And it was thought to be the reason behind the series in the earth. The chupacabra was thought to be the reason behind the series of attacks on the small island. Oh my God. <laughs> Though now people do not believe Madeline's description because she had actually just seen the movie Species, which was kind of like an alien type movie. And the creature that she described was basically the creature in Species. So she's been kind of discredited in terms of her account of a chupacabra because she was very heavily influenced by this. But regardless of the appearance of this vampire beast, a total of 150 farm animals and also pets were slaughtered across the island. What? And many were concentrated to one area. That's way too many. So many. Okay. So the town, the the area, Canavanas, had the greatest number of deaths with over 100 animals slaughtered. And the mayor at the time, Jose Soto, he gathered together a group of volunteers to hunt with guns in hand to find the creature or the person responsible. <laughs> and every day for almost a year, these volunteers would go out and they would roam the area. They'd roam the island of Puerto Rico looking for this vampire creature. And sometimes they'd even use bait. So it reminds me of what you said about like, oh, here's a goat. They would literally put a goat in a cage <laughs> and try to, wow. try to lure in whatever this creature was that was having these, committing these crimes, attacking these animals, but they never caught anything. And in another town, a woman had a strange report. And this person was 44 years old and said that they had been attacked from behind from a gorilla-like creature. And they escaped the creature, but had to be brought to the hospital and treated for wounds because their torso was all cut up. There were like scrapes and cuts everywhere. And this Uh, is weird because gorillas do not live in Puerto Rico. There are no gorillas in Puerto Rico. Yeah, where'd they come from? Right. It's a bit odd. But not long after this attack in the same area, chickens and cows started showing up with one single bite mark to the neck and no blood left in their bodies. Oh, gosh. So could it be that the chupacabra was responsible for this gorilla attack? And I think possibly because in some areas of the world, the chupacabra is thought to be a shape-shifting vampire creature. So perhaps Mm. I'm thinking that it takes the form of this dog-like, coyote-like, hyena-like creature or whatever. It's kind of like skinwalkers. Right, right, right. It's so true. But like if if they go in the form of a wild dog, like it's going to be more undetected. But right. what if depending on who it's trying to attack, what the target is, it shapeshifts into something else, like maybe a gorilla to be stronger Ugh. and attack the prey. And maybe 
when people go out to hunt this creature, they never find it because maybe it's taken the form of a human or a volunteer running through the oh my God, streets no. trying to find itself. Oh, that is so creepy. That's just I just like that, but I also really like that. Yeah. That's a fun Okay. So soon- that's like also like when serial killers or just killers in general want to be so close to the case that they volunteer to help. Right? It's like hidden in plain sight. What's that movie? Was it The End of the World or something? Oh, my God. What was that movie? And they were searching for alien invaders. No idea. Oh, it was a good one. I don't want to spoil it, but basically it reminds me of that. <laughs> it was like one of those like dumb, funny feel good sort of movies it was a family was movie comedy? well actually don't watch it with young children now that i'm remembering some of the scenes is that the one with like all the celebrities yes in it? yeah oh, okay i have seen that yeah yeah okay so not long after this the chupacabra just starts appearing everywhere else like all over the world so it's not just central to puerto rico anymore after it leaves puerto rico there are 69 livestock that are killed including chickens and goats and even ducks in Florida, oh, and their bodies are found dead on a lawn, completely drained no. of blood. Michigan also had attacks. Oregon saw attacks. Mexico saw attacks. They were just all over the world. And Brazil has actually been a country that's been a little bit more vocal about the possibility of a chupacabra in the area. And in 1999, a Brazilian newspaper posted about eight goats and three sheep who had all been killed by a single wound, a single bite to the neck. Uh, That's okay. Mm -hmm. And there were eyewitnesses to these attacks. And most of the eyewitnesses described the animal as having large fangs and being able to jump and leap quite powerfully, almost like they had strong, they said, monkey back legs. How do you even get away from that? I mean, I know they attack animals, but that's just... Well, they're attacking the sitting ducks, you know? It's the animals that are in their pastures, like, in enclosed yeah. spaces. And they're not used to being prey and, you know, having to run. And, like, where do you run? Where do you run? There's nowhere to hide. There's nowhere to hide. Chilean farmers in Kalama were also hit by chupacabra attacks back in 2000. And they woke up and went out to check on their livestock. And they found all of their goats and their sheep dead inside of their pens. So whatever it was had attacked them. That thing had to jump over the fence into their pens and kill them one by one and then jump back out. Also, okay. Also consider the amount of time it takes to drain an animal of its blood. Right? It's weird. Also, when I'm full, I can't move. So are these animals just like never full? I don't know. And that's why they keep eating things? Paranormal creature, paranormal species. Mm. What if they drain drain the blood of an animal and then they run off and it's kind of like mama bird baby bird and they Ooh. they give all of the blood to all of their like little babies but i kind of that's cute or it's know? like a lioness you know like one or two lioness will go out and bring back a meal for everyone to eat they're just trying to feed their family just trying to feed the fans so anyway these bodies were found they were drained of blood and there were no additional wounds so there was no meat taken from the bodies no large bite marks or tugs on the body just that one single bite on every single body's neck and so soon chile was like we're on high alert for a chupacabra this Mm -hmm. is messed up something's going on the media got a hold of it and every single night the news would play a video of the dead blood drained livestock warning everyone that there was a vampire beast in the area 
Yikes. And the Kalama officials were like, whoa, this feels a little bit out of our hands. I think we need some backup. So they ended up calling the National Guard. And Sabrina, hundreds of National Guard soldiers (gasps) came into the area and they patrolled day and night and they found nothing. No traces of a chupacabra or a beast. Nothing. And there were no traces even of some of the natural predators in the areas because, like, some of the skeptics were like, it's just a puma. Like, we pumas. Which that that could somewhat, I guess, maybe make sense. But there was no trace of even a puma in the area. There was nothing, nada, no evidence whatsoever. But this did not stop the search. And the federal government in Chile started to get involved. And the Justice Ministry came to investigate what could possibly be happening and what could possibly be causing all of these attacks. But they found nothing. And then eventually they just decided to blame it on wild dogs. And people weren't very happy with that description. And so the newspapers started to speculate that the chupacabra was actually an extraterrestrial and that the chupacabra eggs had been found and had hatched. And these eggs, these hatched eggs were given to NASA who covered it up. And then others believed that the chupa was grown in a lab and the government test on this like creature had gone wrong and it kind of like escaped. Basically like one of the Jurassic Park movies. Um, so obviously Chile was freaking out as they should because all of their animals were being killed and they were also left with no satisfactory answers. So the people were like, what's going on? And still to this day, there's are things happening all the time. So just last year in Manipur, India, a large number of pets and livestock were killed. And the experts who examined the bodies of the animal said that it was the result of a street dog attack. But I want to know. Here's my question. If a large number of pets and livestock are suddenly killed out of the blue, why now and why so suddenly street dogs have been around forever forever, and they're always in the area and they're always running around? Mm -hmm. So why just now did they decide to go on a rampage of killing? And then people all over the area also reported settings of chupacabras, which then connected these attacks in India to a chupacabra. But the this... The experts are saying it's wild dogs. Well, we also know experts like to keep secrets. So many secrets. Many, many secrets. So. And then there have been actual carcasses found, which a lot of people believed to be the carcasses of chupacabras. It fit the description pretty much. But unfortunately, all of the bodies that have been found and turned over were actually just coyotes and dogs and raccoons with mange but many of the the bodies have been found down in the southern states which is also the site of where there's a popular uh, mite that will go and attack uh, these animals and it causes the animal to lose their hair and their skin becomes inflamed and scale-like so it's possible Mm. that many of the chupacabra sightings were actually just these animals that had these mites in them and were diseased right but that's just the sightings. It doesn't explain the drained, blooded, drained blood bodies. How, how are you yeah. saying? Okay. So I'm going to tell you. Here is my problem. Here's here's where I get all like. <laughs> tell me. Like, this is real. <laughs> Scientists still argue that the chupacabra does not exist and that the marks left on animals are, are marks left from canines attacking the animal and leaving it. So – Scientists and experts are saying that these animals, these dogs or coyotes or whatever, will attack a creature and just let it lie there and bleed out. But, like, where's the blood? 
And then yeah, also, that's assuming that it's always killing for fun and there's no meat being taken. There's no extra struggle. There's no nothing. It's just that one mark. Mm-hmm. And if the dogs or coyotes are infected with a parasite and the parasite or mite is called a uh, Sarcoptis scabi, that would fit the physical description, sure. But the animals are left with little fur and their skin is thicker and scaly and irritated and they smell awful. And I get it. Like, that totally fits the description. But one of the biologists at the University of Michigan said, and this was like a pro argument of like, oh, yeah, chupacabras are actually just these animals with this mite or parasite. He was like, oh, well, it makes sense because the animals, they get very weak from the parasite and they probably have a hard time hunting their normal prey. And so they have to go and attack and you know, attack the easy sitting ducks, these livestock. Mm-hmm. But here's my question. If it's easy prey and that's why they're making the attacks, then why aren't they eating the animal? They're just leaving it. Right. It doesn't make sense they're to me. only taking the blood. Yes. And then other people are like, okay, well, that's kind of common for wild dog attacks. Sometimes they just get a little crazed and they kill and they eat a little bit and then they leave. But that's still requiring eating a little bit. It's not one right. single wound matching on every single animal. Like that's like programmed. Right. That's weird. And and drained completely of their blood. Drained like, of that's blood. The, yeah. And also beyond just – okay, if we get past the, the part where it doesn't really make sense that they would just bite once and leave it. And if we get past the part where it's the same marking on every single body and if we get past the part of it being drained of blood, that still – they're still asking me <laughs> to believe that there was like a wild dog or a coyote or something running around a small island like Puerto Rico undetected, killing hundreds of animals and leaving yeah. no trace. That's wild. Because they can disguise themselves. Right? I think it's just as believable to think that there is an undetected wild dog with mange leaving identical markings on mm-hmm. livestock's bodies as it is to be like oh maybe there's a new species of animal or maybe there's a paranormal creature or maybe there's a vampire beast yeah right yes <sighs> i'm glad you're with me okay but regardless <laughs> i'm always with you <laughs> the chupacabra may be more apparent than we even know because there are legends of the creature all over the world of animals very similar to the description of the chupacabra in new orleans there are creatures called the Grunches, and they are said to lurk on the Grunch Road. And in Chile, Puchins, I think, I don't know how to say it, but they match the description of the Chupacabra. And also in the Philippines, there's a creature called Sigbin, who also matches the description of the Chupacabra. Wow. So, to conclude my (laughs) 10-minute monologue on why i believe chupacabras are real vampire beasts we do not know if the chupacabra exists but we do know that there are animals all across the world turning up with the same markings on their body and the same cause of death and the eyewitnesses despite the region give strikingly similar descriptions of the creature that they saw so i'm asking you is the chupacabra a new creature or maybe has it been around all along Perhaps 
animals have always been attacked like this for decades. But maybe I'm thinking in the past, like I'm just thinking of people way back when living in villages, maybe they blamed neighboring villages and it was a revenge thing. Or maybe they thought it was like punishment from the gods that all of their livestock were killed like this. Or maybe they blamed it on monsters in the woods or on aliens. And maybe all of those things are true. But the result of the combination is Chupacabra, the vampire beast, looking in your town, thirsty for blood. I mean, I, I believe that it's been around for a long time because there's also like the fact that they're named different things doesn't mean they're different right, creatures. Right, exactly. If the description fits, it's the same thing. And I just think that it, I mean, in the 1990s, that was like the first or however, whenever the date was, that was like the first description or I guess like official record of the vampire beast of the chupacabra. And of these attacks, right. but it doesn't mean that it wasn't happening before and that it just wasn't blamed on other things or the people were just so freaked out that they didn't say anything at all. Yeah, I don't know. And also like it also happens overnight, right? Or when humans aren't necessarily around. So yeah, you can't be 100% sure what did it. It could just have just the similar markings. Right. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's creepy. I'm glad it doesn't kill humans though. I mean, it's sad regardless, but, mm-hmm. like, humans also kill all those animals themselves. So. There are some descriptions, too, where the chupacabra has wings, and it reminded me a bit of the Jersey Devil. Oh, totally. I see that. I was like, I wonder if the Jersey Devil is kind of a chupacabra. chupacabra. What if it's the mother of all chupacabras? It could be. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So crazy. And then I'm also like, okay, it's got to be a shapeshifter too, because for it to go all around the world and have started on the island in Puerto Rico, a dog with a parasite doesn't just get on like a cruise ship or hop on a plane and head to Florida. You know, it has to. It could. It could disguise itself as a person. Right. Exactly. It has to be a shapeshifter. It has to be a person or even if it does have wings, it can fly there or whatever. But like, Mm -hmm. it can't just be. I think what they what others say that it is. I agree. I think it's a mysterious being that we don't fully understand yet. Yeah, I felt like to- a total conspiracy theorist when we're researching this because I so am like, yes, I love chupacabras. They're so exciting <laughs> to talk about. And every single time it was like, oh, but there's this that disproves it or this. I'm like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I want to believe. I'm right. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. You know, it's important to talk about the things that people may not believe in. I think it is. And that's why we're here. And we will always believe everyone. So if you are ever like, oh, my story is unbelievable. I'm not going to tell the girls because I'm afraid of what they're going to say. We will believe you. I like that you called us the girls. The girls. Tell us. We we will believe you. There's nothing we don't believe. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some things, but – but we believe we're very open-minded people. We believe. And who are we to judge what is real and what's not? Right. You know, that's not our place. No. We're here to make this an open place for all of you to feel safe and safe. You are safe. You are. All right. It's time for listener stories. So I have a story. This is from Kayla and she sent a bunch of stories. So I'll read a few. Uh, Hello, ladies. I really enjoyed your podcast and love how you incorporate your listeners into each show. I have quite a few paranormal experiences, but I'll give you a few. To start, I will give you a little history on the house or as much as I know so you can get a better understanding of my surroundings. I grew up in a pretty haunted house in Sturgis, South Dakota, out of town a little ways where it sat 
but it was originally in the next town over in Vail, about 25 to 30 miles away. My family had moved the house in 1992 to where it currently is now, but previously it was an alcohol and drug recovery center. And before that, it was an old farmhouse owned by a family whom, when I have tried to ask questions or do research, nobody knows anything. But with poor records, it is virtually impossible. When my family moved to the house, they had put it on a new foundation slash basement and added on to the east and west side of it. Everything in the middle was not touched, but it had original hardwood floors in the middle and a second story with an old staircase that definitely made noise upon ascending and descending upon it. The original house consisted of two upstairs bedrooms, one of which was mine with huge inch and a half thick wooden doors and tape over the glass pane in the window, kind of like in a psych ward. And in it, and each room had two very creepy crawl space closets and separate room in between these bedrooms to which you could access the crawl space which no one in my family has ever ent- entered since owning. I hate crawl spaces. They're so creepy. They're so creepy. Now, the new location to where we moved the house was next to my grandparents' house, about two miles away, which we could access through the land and pasture. My first story is when I first saw the red eyes. I was young, maybe four or five, and my family owned a trailer next to my grandparents' land before they had bought the other house that I previously talked about. I remember going to bed one night sleeping with my dad and was for some reason awoken in the middle of the night. I looked out the window to find a man walking his dog, but fully black, like a shadow. In an instant, in an instant, it was like I knew, in an instant, it was like they knew I was looking at them and they both turned and looked directly at me and they both had glowing red eyes. I was so frozen in fear that I just stared. They stared back motionless for about a minute and then they continued on their way. Mind you, the closest neighbors were three miles away and it was the middle of the night. The second story is red eyes than a nightmare. Flash forward to when we moved into the new house. Well, new to us. And I was about 12 or 13 with the middle of the house being old and not having proper heating and cooling system. We always slept in the living room in the middle of the winter and not upstairs in my scary freezing cold room. So anyway, the living room was built on the east side of the house and it has a bunch of picture windows on the east side and the original wood floor to the west. While sleeping on the floor, I had a horrible dream In the dream, I'm watching TV with my cousin, and we go to get popsicles out of the freezer, the kind that had the joke on the stick once you finished eating it. I laughed at what I had read and then suggested that we get some sleep since we had a big day planned. I wake up in the middle of the night, in my dream, and see a man, the same man with the red eyes, staring at me through my picture window. I immediately freak out and go to wake my cousin, and she's gone. (gasps) I run outside, and I find this man dragging her down the deck. I remember looking for her. What? This is so scary. This is a terrifying dream, yes. I remember looking for her but have no luck, and they both just vanish. In my dream, a few days later, police found her wired to a chain-link fence, and then I woke up. It was the end of the dream. So I wake up in real life in the middle of the night, shaken and unsure of what I just dreamt, and honestly, afraid to go back to sleep. I stayed up and watched TV, decided to go get a late-night snack and take my mind off of things. I go to get a popsicle, and not only until I read the same joke... On the stick, did I remember that particular part of the dream? I spent the rest of the night in terror watching the TV and not sleeping. Okay, and then another story. So now I'm 15 or 16, and I just returned home from a movie with my then-boyfriend at the time. Me being me, asked him if he wanted to hang out, not being 
not wanting to be totally alone in the big house since the rest of my family was out of town for a funeral, which I couldn't go to because of school. And of course he says no. So I proceed to go and get ready for bed. And since it's fall weather outside, it's chilly upstairs. So I decide to sleep in the living room again. I finally fell asleep and woke up in the middle of the night to what sounded like footsteps on the deck. I sneakily go get the gun that is always next to the door and step outside. I don't hear any footsteps as I walk around the house. And as I step back on the deck, to go inside, I hear music off in the distance. I freeze where I am and turn around to the empty pasture where I hear it coming from. I cannot see anything in the pitch black and begin to wonder if I am imagining this. I have no neighbors close by whatsoever. I decided that I was too tired and imagining things and decided to go back to sleep. I awoke again that night to find myself freezing, and as I stood up to turn the light on, I found all of the windows and doors wide open and all of the screens on the ground. I immediately freak out and decide that I'm going to shut all the windows and doors and then sprint to my car and drive to my grandparents' house that is a few miles away. So I get to my grandfather's ho- grandparents' house after finding all the windows and doors open. Terrified, I open the door and go and get myself settled in, still with a heavy feeling on my chest with some pretty negative vibes. I make myself a cup of coffee and try to relax and figure out what just happened and proceed not to sleep for the rest of the night. Or so I thought. I must have passed out sometime in the early morning and I woke to my grandma making breakfast. I explained to her why I had showed up randomly in the middle of the night and she said she wasn't surprised. Startled, I asked why the hell not. She said that when my dad was younger, about four or five, that she awoke in the middle of the night to find my dad standing outside in the pasture on top of an old cement storm shelter talking to this tall, dark, shadow man thing with red eyes. (gasps) She said she tried to scream and run and grab him, but something was preventing her from moving or making a sound. After about five minutes of this, the dark figure turned around and walked off, and and my dad had ran back to his mom cheerfully. She asked what happened, and he had no idea what she was talking about and didn't recollect any man. When I asked how come she never shared this story before, she claimed that she tried, but the more she said it, the more people thought she sounded crazy, so she just kept it to herself. She then proceeded to tell me that's why she has garlic in her hanging flowers basket all over the house because she thought it was vampires. But I didn't have the heart to tell her that was probably something else. But sure, vampires. I have tried asking my dad about this, and he has no idea what I'm talking about and tells me that he doesn't believe in anything otherworldly. From Kayla. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I'm freaked out because it's like the real world connects with the dreams. Yeah. Connects with the paranormal world. Ugh. And it's clear it's if it was around her dad, it's clearly like trying to talk to her too. Yeah. And for the grandmother to know and be like, oh yeah, I'm like trying to ward off this paranormal creature. Right. I wonder what it is. Okay. Because I immediately I'm thinking like shadow person, but right. to to be I don't know to have that much like maybe I'm not giving shadow figures enough shadow people enough credit, but I feel like shadow people are more like this lurking presence instead of one yeah. that actually like full on communicates with you and like right works or like. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but... But I agree with you. Like, shadow people are more observant. Like, they kind of just stand and observe people, at least in stories that we often hear and look into. Right. And to interact with someone and to walk around with, like, that much intention. And to affect someone's dreams. Yeah, it doesn't seem... Me neither. It could be a vampire. Who knows? 
I wonder if that's if the garlic has helped in any way. Yeah, I wonder too. Because I mean, it sounds like when she got when Kayla got to her grandparents' house, like it didn't really follow her. She was scared, but it didn't follow her. True. So maybe it's safe there. Oh my god! Oh, and what did the shadow person say to her dad? Oh, and what if Kayla has talked to the thing before and has no memory Just of it? Doesn't the way remember. That her dad doesn't. Oh, so creepy. So creepy. Oh, man, oh, man. Okay, but before we get into our next listener story, we have something we're very excited to talk about. We must tell you about Halloween Horror Nights because why wouldn't we? It's coming (laughs) up and it's in our favorite spooky season. Yes. Universal Orlando Resort is plunging you into unimaginable realms of horror at the world's premier Halloween event. It's Halloween Horror Nights and it's select nights from September 6th through November 2nd. On events night at Universal Studios Florida, when the sun goes down, the mutants and monsters rise up, filling the theme park with the sounds of endless screams from cinematic classics to current cult favorites to the park's original abominations. Every year, Universal Orlando brings the work of the greatest names in horror to life. Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, the world's most terrifying monsters have come together to tear you apart. Flee through a dark Bavarian forest as the savage wolfman grows ever closer. Try to escape from the man-made monster within Dr. Frankenstein's laboratory. Face the fanged terrors in Dracula's castle and encounter other untold horrors. It's the more, the scarier. You can explore incredibly detailed haunted houses, each themed to different horror icons. So this year, it includes an all-new house that takes you into the world of Netflix's Stranger Things 2 and 3. Yay, 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 yay. And you'll make your way through darkened scare zones filled with ghoulish creatures around every turn. Ah. And you'll enjoy outrageous live entertainment, and you can experience the thrills and excitement of many of Universal Studios' most popular rides and attractions. So face your deepest fears and step inside your worst nightmares. Halloween Horror Nights. Halloween Horror Nights. It's select nights, September 6th through November 2nd at Universal Orlando Resort. For more information, visit HalloweenHorrorNights.com and join us this year as we go get spooky. Okay, I have one, and this is from Macy. Okay, so Macy first messaged and had just like a bunch of different coincidences that happened these like weird connections between maybe what we had talked about in the podcast and what was happening in her life she had a ton but i'm gonna scroll down she sent us a bunch of experiences so i'm gonna talk about one in particular which connects with my story Mm. okay she said i'm not sure if y'all have ever heard of the chupacabra but basically it's a mangy hairless coyote like dog creature thing with a big snout that can stand on its rear legs. Some reports even describe the creature as having wings. There are actually a few different physical descriptions of it, but nearly every report says it's similar to a dog or coyote-like animal. In Spanish, the chupacabra literally translates to goat sucker because chupacabras Hmm. are notorious for sucking the blood out of farm animals, such as goats and cows. Most reports of the chupacabra are in Mexico, southwestern U.S., and Texas. She basically did my research for me. And maybe a couple scattered in other parts of the U.S. My family had never actually heard of the chupacabra until one of my dad's cow dogs was possibly mutilated by one. So I've mentioned it in the other stories in this email, but I'm from Texas and my family lives on a 90 acre ranch with cows, horses and a couple of other farm animals. There are all kinds of wild animals in the surrounding woods, like wild boars and big cats and coyotes. 
Mm. My dad used to do a lot of ranching and would be the man that people would call whenever cows got loose on neighboring farms. So he Mm -hmm. had several cow dogs that helped him herd cows whenever cows needed to be herded. One of my dad's dogs had recently had puppies, and we were giving away most of them but decided to keep one. Dad named him Dudley. Dad said he kept him because he could tell that he was the smartest of the bunch, and he became pretty attached to him. But unfortunately, when he was still just a puppy... My dad was driving down our driveway to church when he noticed buzzards flying in a tight circle over a spot in the pasture. Curious, my dad decided to drive out to the pasture and see what dead animal they could have been circling when he saw a horrifying Mm. sight. This is so sad. This is like, ugh. Dead and sucked completely of his blood was Dudley. No. Some of his fur looked as if it had been skinned off and there was literally no blood in sight, not on him or around him. His organs were also visible and he was cut in a couple of places, but it was so finely done that it couldn't have been done by an ordinary coyote or other animal. The whole scene was very, very odd and unlike anything that my dad had seen after living in the area for his entire life. Because it's a small town, Where not much happens, the local newspaper ended up picking up the story and ran a feature on it. Dad thought it was devil worshippers, and being the tough cowboy that he was, he told the reporters that if any devil worshiper wanted to come onto his property again, he was ready for them. So Texas. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Everyone speculated for a while about what it could have been, and Dad took Dudley's body to a couple of vets in town. One said that he just got run over by a train, but that theory made zero sense because yeah, what? while we did live near ra- railroad tracks, Dudley's body was at least half of a mile away from the tra- tracks, and there was no explanation as to how he would have gotten to where he was found after being hit by a train. Yeah, that makes no sense. No sense. Dad left the puppy's body at the vet for a few days, and then he went back and he found out that the vet threw the body in the trash. Excuse me, what? What? Dad was obviously infuriated because he wanted to do some further investigations, but the vet just literally threw Dudley's body away without even asking. No. What kind of vet is this? Someone who should be out of business, in my opinion. Don't do that to someone's pet. Yeah, aren't. What? That doesn't make sense. People are supposed to have a choice. Yeah. We didn't have any real clear answers as to what could have possibly killed Dudley until one day, somehow. National Geographic contacted my dad. I'm assuming they were doing a search and found my dad's story in the newspaper or something, but they got in contact with him and told him that they wanted to interview him for Is It Real? episode covering the Chupacabra. They explained what the Chupacabra was and what it did, and my dad said it matched up really well with the condition that Dudley was found in. So a few months later, National Geographic came down to my house and interviewed my dad. Wow. While they were there, they were telling us more about other people's reports of the Chupacabra when we realized an even bigger coincidence with it. When my middle sister was little, she was playing on the porch right at dusk when she came in panicked and said that there was a little yellow naked man that ran across our yard. What? Shapeshifter. My parents obviously were just like, what the heck are you talking about? But she was so adamant about what she saw that my parents called the police down to investigate. And no one and nothing was found. And the little yellow naked man 
has been a family joke that we've teased Mallory about ever since. Oh. But as it turns out, other people have reported to describe the chupacabra as a small, naked man running on his hind legs and said that the color ranges from brown to greenish gray to even yellow. We were all shocked when we heard that. National Geographic ended up airing the interviews with my dad and my sister on the episode, much to my sister's regret now as an adult, because (laughs) when this aired, she was a junior. She was in junior high and going through an awkward phase. So she's pretty embarrassed about it. (laughs) And while the Chupacabra and the whole being on National Geographic thing is now sort of a weird urban legend slash inside joke with my family in my hometown, we're pretty convinced that the Chupacabra could very well be living in the deep woods of my family's land. Hopefully, we'll never find out for sure. I hope y'all enjoyed the stories and the art. And we have to ask her if we can post this because she We can. Us- she sent it on Instagram. What? She can. She sent it to us on Instagram first. Oh, my God. We it's can definitely post it. the coolest. It's like a movie mm-hmm. poster. It's-, it's very Nancy Drew. Oh, my God. I love it so much. I love it so much. Okay. We'll post it. I've been listening to y'all as you make my work day go by so much faster, and it's worth sleeping with a couple more lights on every now and then. <laughs> as always, stay spooky and see you on the other side, Macy. Um. Okay, poor Dudley. That's so sad. Oh, poor Dudley. But also how cool that they got to be on National Geographic. Yeah. I know. I know. It's just the description of like a little naked man. It's so creepy and it makes me wonder if it is some sort of shape-shifting creature. If if maybe – or even – I was going to say like if it's caught like shape-shifting or what if it's kind of like the black-eyed kids where your mm. initial – what you initially see is you think that you're seeing a dog. But once you spend enough time looking at it, you realize it's actually like a naked little man, a naked little vampire. Oh. Interesting. It's like the black eyed kids. You think that they're normal children, but as you look for longer, all of a sudden their eyes are right. completely black and they're totally evil. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. I also, I mean, it's, ugh. can you imagine seeing that as a little kid and no one believing you and then everyone makes fun of you for it? No. And then you go on National Geographic and then you're in your awkward thing <laughs> and it's there forever. Yeah. Oh. Aww. I also, okay, I am glad that the, national geographic called them and was like hey this is a thing like because they didn't put that together before right they would have never known yeah and it's interesting the incision and i didn't really talk about that in the story but or like in my coverage of the chupacabra but that has come up like multiple times in other stories where it's like the one single mark but sometimes there will be something that's almost like more surgical which Mm. almost made me think like aliens oh that's interesting I don't know. They're such mysterious creatures. Such mysterious creatures. If you guys have had any interactions with chupacabras or vampires or anything at all, please tell us. We want to know everything. You can email them to us at twogirlsoneghostpodcast at gmail.com. There are many ways to support us. One way is to come to our live shows. We have a show Mm -hmm. on July 14th in New York City, and you can find the link to tickets on our website and in our Instagram bio. 
Um, and then also speaking of Instagram, we have social media. So you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter. We also have a Facebook group that you can join. You just have to answer some questions. And then uh, we have quite a few moderators who are just like so kick ass and they make the space like just so fun to be a part of and very respectful and yes. a good spooky time. And we have to say thank you to another wonderful person, Eric Foster at Upfire Digital, who helps us edit these episodes. He edits all of our regular Sunday night episodes, and it helps us so, so much. And he's great and a great person who actually just texted us saying, uh, did you see this, Corinne? I saw he texted, but I didn't look. It's a, um, you'll laugh. It's a book with the cover and it says Sasquatch in the Secret Forest and it's Sasquatch with two women. <laughs> and he, he goes, Corinne, if the situation were reversed, I'd hope you would tell me Bigfoot is hanging out with two Mrs. Steelio Mans. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I so appreciate that. I know I laughed. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. So thank you, Eric, for, uh, for doing all the editing. <laughs> it means a lot. I know we take a lot of pee breaks. So thank you for editing those out. <laughs> Um, we also are obviously on like iTunes and Spotify and all these places. But if you do have an iPhone and you have access to iTunes, if you could rate and review us, that helps us immensely. And also word of immensely. mouth is huge, which yeah. part of word of mouth is just being advertisement. So if you want to buy some TGOG merch, you can do that. Walk don't around. Do. You don't even have to tell anyone. You just wear it. Heck yes. And we will see you on, on the, the other, other side. side. Very spooky.